Welcome to Parenthood Pals. I'm Caleb Hoyer. And I'm Melissa Fight Johnson. And today we are thrilled to have our dear old friend with us. It's Manal Weedle. Welcome. Hi. Yay. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, Manal, where are you joining us from today? I am joining you from Oberlin Park, Kansas. That's awesome. I was actually just there this morning. I was. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Um, And would you mind telling us a little about yourself, your teams? Yes. Awesome. I've got two teams. So growing up, I was team Siam. I'm the oldest of three kids. I have a younger sister and a younger brother. My sister, she's three years younger than I am. She's right now married. She's got a bonus daughter and lives in Emporia, Kansas. And then my brother is four years younger than I am. He recently got engaged this Yay. fall. Uh, he lives <laughs> with his fiance in New York. They actually live in Hoboken, New Jersey. And it was awesome getting to see him this year. And then my parents, um, they are still together. They've been married now. I always have to do the math. They got married in 83. So whatever oh. right now is minus 83. Wow. They are still together and they live in Pittsburgh, Kansas. My dad's a chemistry professor at the college in Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh State University. And then my mom is a nurse practitioner and she works in Kansas City and just commutes back and forth. My team now is Team Weedle. Um, my husband and I, we've been married four years. We actually just celebrated our fourth wedding anniversary. Oh, happy yeah. anniversary. Thank you. We, um, I was on Thanksgiving this year because we got married Thanksgiving weekend. So it was kind of fun how I fell on that day this year. With him came my bonus daughter, Catherine. She's 11. She's a fifth grader. And then we have a son named Henry who will turn two on the 20th of this month. So uh, we keep it pretty busy. And then um, we also have our first child, our fur baby, Sunny. She's a (laughs) four-year-old lab. We just love her. It's fun. I've never grown up with animals. So this is the first animal that I've had. And so seeing the relationship between Sunny and Henry and Sunny and Catherine, it's just, it warms our heart. It's the Uh. cutest thing. I'm the same. I didn't grow up with pets. And in fact, I was scared of dogs when I was little. And then when I met my husband, he had this giant hundred pound like pit bull situation. And I'm like, what? And then I loved him. And, and yeah. now we have, you know, three. <laughs> so it's, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. And did you say your son's name is Henry? Henry. Yeah. And he, um, it's, a, it's very much, it has to be Henry. It cannot be abbreviated. Um, <laughs> he has a very powerful name. So in our culture, everyone in my family has the dad's first name as our middle name. So my mom, my sister, my brother, myself, we all have my dad's first name as our middle name, Camise. So that's Henry's middle name. And then Henry is named after my husband's grandfather. He was really, really close to his grandfather, both his grandfather and grandmother. His grandma was Evelyn and his brother and his wife have twin girls. And so one of the girls is named Evelyn. So they've really carried on through the kids. It's just, I wish I could have, um, he was alive when Sean and I met, but he was in a home. And at the time of our relationship, it wasn't serious enough when I was going home with him yet or, or meeting some of his family, but I was there when he passed and just hearing the effect that he had on all of his family, kids, grandkids, and so on. It was just heartwarming so he's got a nice powerful name well it's it's actually my favorite boy's name I love that oh, name so, so much it's really a beautiful name and now I love it even more knowing yeah that story that's so great <laughs> it's awesome <laughs> and then of course Caleb and I know this but our listeners do not so what is your history with the show Parenthood <laughs> oh my gosh I watched it so I did not watch it when it was live I think I hit it on the very end I remember vividly it was a summer where I was fasting for Ramadan and my best girlfriend at work, she had talked about this show. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay. She goes, now you'll love it. I mean, if you like this show, I mean, all of our shows line up. She goes, if you would like this show, this show, this show, you will, you'll watch it. So at that time it was still on the DVR. So I was able to catch up with everything on the DVR. They had all the past seasons and then that current season that had just concluded. So if I remember right, is there six seasons? Yeah. Okay. So I think I started right when season six ended. 
and I could not get enough. I mean, it was like total binge. I mean, could not get enough. It was all the roller coaster of emotions. It was laughing and smiling and crying. It was the, okay, how much time do I, okay, one more episode. I can do one more. Okay, I can do one more. I can do one more. I mean, it truly helped me pass the time because the summer months for fasting for Ramadan are the longest. So it really, really, really helped me get there. I was like, okay, I can't eat till 827. Okay, so pop in another show. Let's do another one. Let's do another one. I loved it so much. Like the, the series finale, I actually bought it on iTunes and some days I just rewatch it just for the heck of it to make myself happy. Like I just, the way, and obviously no spoilers, but just the way everything comes together and and now re-examining the show, re-watching the show, really thinking about your conversations and your notes about it. And then just thinking about this phase of life for myself, because I think I started when my husband and I had just started dating. So, you know, different roles now, different, you know, seasons of life now, but I was just obsessed. I could not get enough of it. I actually had presented, I'm a part of our district, like diversity and equity team. And so in that role, I would always present to our building. And I remember one year we did like the modern family. And Mm. so just really talking about family structure and how family structure has changed. And that was one of the shows that I highlighted, just really talking about how the family doesn't look the way it used to and then leave it to beaver days. And you know, what a great, you know, what a great show growing up. I covered a whole bunch of shows in that gamut, but using that show as an example of not everyone's family looks the same and it doesn't mean it's any less of a family. So I was just oh, obsessed with the show. Absolutely obsessed. So it's been the best thing ever to rewatch. I love <laughs> it. Love it then. Love it now. Love it again and again and again. <laughs> That's awesome. That makes me so happy. And it is interesting to, you know, revisit and rewatch, especially, I mean, some things have you know, in my mind, haven't aged as well. Like the whole Adam character for me, although I thought Adam was great in this one. So sometimes I'm like, oh, nice. But I don't know. It's it's nice to hear such a positive perspective of it, you know, like like mm-hmm. to hear it, what you just said. It's true. There are some really beautiful things that have just held yeah. up wonderfully and hopefully yeah. will continue to, you know, in future yes. viewings. So awesome. Well, it's cool that you also listen to our podcast because I know a lot of people who we have on as guests don't. And so if you ever like have a different like take on something than than we did in the past, feel free to like throw that out there. That might be fun to talk about. Like you (laughs) two were way off for this. (laughs) I rarely feel that way. Every time I'm just like, it's like mind explosion. I'm just like, oh my gosh, whether it comes from either of you or one of your guests, I'm like, oh my God, how fascinating. I just, sometimes (laughs) I feel like I lack depth. You know, sometimes like when I meet these people that are these amazing thinkers and the way they portray their thoughts and their feelings. I'm like, God, I missed the boat on that. But yes, what you said over and over again, so much fun. Well, we are so happy to have you with us. I'm so excited. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Today we are discussing Parenthood season four, episode seven together. It was written by Eric Guggenheim, directed by Millicent Shelton. It originally aired on November 13th, 2012. And here's the DVD synopsis. Adam and Christina face challenges as she recovers from surgery and prepares for the next phase of her treatment. Amber and Ryan's relationship develops, causing concern for Sarah and Zeke. Meanwhile, Julia focuses on better connecting with her new son, and Drew tries to reconnect with Amy. I thought we'd start with Amy. It's been a while since we've had her on the show. Yeah. And that's what the episode begins with. I was distracted right off the bat by the fact that Amy's house in this episode clearly wasn't the same house that we saw briefly when Drew like took the hedge clippers over. Yes. And I read that the house that is now playing her house was on the Wisteria Lane set from Desperate Desperate Housewives. Housewives. 
cool. And once I had read that, it's kind of all I could see. And I didn't even watch Desperate Housewives. But I thought, yes, this is a very sort of middle America cookie cutter neighborhood. Do you think she was supposed to have moved or were we just supposed to not be paying attention and think that's the same house? I think the second one. <laughs> okay. I agree. I agree. Well, it worked for me. I didn't pay any attention. I'm like, oh, there one she plus, is. <laughs> one plus side of being so distracted is that like I saw her sleeping in there and I thought, where's her dog? <laughs> and then oh. as if the show <laughs> read my mind, the dog jumped up and it was a huge laugh from me. Yeah. That was good. Um, my hugest laugh in that scene was was truly the idea of the cancer basket. I really, <laughs> maybe that's terrible, but I thought that's a funny little gag, you know, and like the fact that Amber so clearly thinks this is a terrible idea. I really enjoyed that whole scene quite a bit. It makes yeah. me think of like when you're dating someone and you're doing the stalker, you know, the stalker drive. That's what it felt like. At first yeah. I was like, where, where is he going? And where is he going with her? And then when they mentioned it was Amy's house, I was like, bad idea. No. Nothing ever comes from this. This is not a good move. No. End it. Just end it. Make it a clean cut. Do not do the stalker drive. No. I'm yeah. with you. I agree. Well, and then when he went back to try and salvage it uh, and Jake was there, I mean, talk about <laughs> painful. Yeah. That was bad. Fun fact about Jake. Jake is played by an actor named Tanner Novlin. I hope I'm saying his last name right. Who you may know from the bad actor commercials from Liberty Mutual. As a struggling actor, I need all the breaks that I can get. At Liberty Mutual. Cut. Liberty Mutual. Line. Cut. Liberty Mutual customizes your car insurance so you only pay for what you need. Cut. Liberty Mutual. Am I allowed to riff? What if I come out of the water? Liberty Bibbity. Cut. I don't know if you guys see those commercials all the time, but no. I see them. Well, not so much recently, but there was a time I saw them all the time. Were they national, do you think? Or do you think that you just saw them on the East Coast? Maybe they were just an East Coast thing. I feel like Jake the State Farm guy is who we see all the time. Like that commercial I feel like is on all the time. That one progressive is. is yeah. on all the time. So I do wonder if that's more of a region thing. Yeah. Maybe. Well, now they have the Limu Emu you know, mascot. Maybe Liberty Mutual is not nationwide. <laughs> I don't know. Us Midwest folks were like, what are you talking about? We have no idea. That's funny. Well, for you East Coast folks, <laughs> he's the bad actor from Liberty Mutual. Um, Love it. I thought... Also, my... Liberty Mutual did not pay for me to play their commercial on our podcast. <laughs> we so. have no sponsors at all. <laughs> well, maybe no. you shouldn't say that. We have secret sponsors. No, we don't. We don't have any. No, we don't. We can't yeah. be bought. <laughs> no, we can't be bought. I love it. It reminded me a little of Crosby with Dr. Joe, just how nice Jake was. You know, he was like, hey, man, I could drive you to school. You know, and just like I thought that was such a better choice than if he'd been like a douchebag. I was like, that's kind of fantastic that he's just like, hey, man, oh, I remember high school. You're lucky. I envy you. I, I liked the whole thing. It also made me think, what time does school start there? Because it felt like it was like later in the morning. I mean, I feel like we started school late in high school compared to what school starts now. For yeah. Me. But I, what time was it? It felt like it was like nine or 10. She yeah. was just hanging out with her boyfriend at home. I was like, where were her parents? Like, were her parents okay with this guy? And I don't know why it bugged me the way he kept saying Ames. Ames. Yeah. Like, yeah. instead of just Amy, Ames. I don't know why that irked me. But yeah, other than that, he just seemed like very like Barbie and Ken, very <laughs> cookie cutter. You know, he just seemed very polished. Yeah. And then when he talked about the being the, like, what is he, a lifeguard or, you know, whatever. I was like, yeah, that is. He looks like he's 30. Yeah. <laughs> so I love Drew's. I thought the same thing about the start time too, though, because yeah. like if they were anything like I was in high school, I was 
comatose about 15 minutes into the day. You yeah. know, I, there was no going to someone's house before no. school. No. I would, was dead to the world. Yeah. No. Especially if I was riding my bicycle there. I'm like, fastest route, please. No time for stops. Right. It's ridiculous. Well, you mentioned the cancer basket. Oh, <laughs> it pay it does pay off. Maybe not in the way that Drew thought it would, but So this is where Mr. Sierra lives. Yeah. You know my friends would die if they knew I was in here. They're all in love with him. Yep, everyone, um everybody loves him. I I just wanna say I'm sorry really quick about everything. It's okay. I get it. And Drew, if you need space, just tell me. I mean, I would really like to be friends, but if you don't, I understand. Anyway, I just, um, well, I was just stopping by because I wanted to, wanted to tell you that I'm really sorry about your aunt. Oh, um, yeah, thanks. It's so horrible. Is she going to be okay? I mean, I hope so. We all hope so. Um, you know, it's like I, like, I feel like I should do something, you know, like, you know, I feel like I, I want to help somehow, but I don't know how to, there's nothing for me to do, you know, and I just kind of feel guilty. True. Like, you're, you're amazing, and you'll find a way. It's just so upsetting, you know. She's um, she's starting chemo today. <laughs> uh, the way he looks at like her hand on his arm, yeah. and then he's like, "What else can I say?" Um, yeah. Oh yeah, you, like, it's just see so the upsetting. light bulb. Yeah. yeah. Uh. And then like she's starting chemo today. It almost sounded like foreplay <laughs> or like dirty talk. <laughs> the way like, he says it. She's starting chemo today. Yeah. <laughs> was so wrong, but also so, so funny. Exactly. And I think in the arc of Drew, one thing I applauded him in that moment, he seemed so confident, you know, heading into this <laughs> relationship. True. He was so like reserved and needed Zeke to like push him along. And then he'd kind of get a little inkling. This time he was totally being that cliche. I'm getting after what I want here. I'm going to yeah. use the words to That's get there and point. I'm going to make my move and it's going to be executed brilliantly. And I felt like he did execute it brilliantly. Yeah. Use what you got. <laughs> You've got an ant with cancer, I guess. <laughs> Every asset at your disposal. Yeah. I found it really disturbing, but it was interesting because, you know, that happened to be the moment that my husband like walked in the room for and he was like, he's a kid. You know, he like just totally took all my like righteous anger right out of it. I was like, this is such a dick move. I hate this. He's like, nah, I don't know. He's a kid. Yeah. And it's not like he was tricking her. He wasn't lying. Everything. Yeah, at I least mean, she does have cancer. Yeah, and <laughs> and I mean, maybe he was like emphasizing his like distraught, but she also it worked. Like you know, and it makes me think she must be into him somewhat because this didn't just feel like pity. It just felt like reminding me that I care about you or something. Yeah, there's there's still something there in her yeah. for him. I felt weirdly bad for Jake. I'm like, we just met him. He's so nice. Now you're cheating on him. You've cheated on both of them with the other. I felt sort of bad for the guy. But then I'm I like, agree. I did make that note. Yeah. <laughs> what about the boyfriend? I was like, not even a, but I like, there was no, no interruption. No, but I have a, but you just met. No, she had no, no, she went for it too. Yeah. Maybe she's just a cheater. <laughs> 
I, you know, I didn't feel bad for Jake at all. I mean, I do in terms of it's not right. Although he must have known that she had a boyfriend when he made whatever move he there did. There you go. Yeah. And also, although you're right that he didn't seem like a douche, he did seem nice. To me, he seemed nice in the way that stupid people are nice, which is they're just not <laughs> smart enough to be evil. Like, he did not seem deep. No, no. If Drew is an ocean, Jake seems like a thimble. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the tide that washes up on the beach every now and again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There it is. I don't know. I just, it was one of those moments where, again, I thought... We are only, if we are rooting for this, we're only doing it because we know Drew and we don't know Jake. You know, if that we, is very true. If we could follow Jake home and he's like taking care of his sick grandmother or something, we would just be like, oh, poor Jake. Like, you know, he just he just loves Amy so much. But we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> Why is he dating high schoolers, though? Yeah. Well, how old is he? Is he a? I freshman? assumed he was a freshman. But... If he's a freshman in college, that happens all the time. Right. Yeah. That's just. Yeah. But, well, it made me think, how did the dynamic work at camp? I mean, just as someone who has volunteered at camp, was he another person at the camp? Like, was he another participant? Was he like a counselor? Like, we were talking about some of the power dynamics and the struggles. Like, what position that's What position did he play there? Like, what role did he play there? And how did that come about, you know? Yeah. Were they both counselors? Is that possible? Yeah. We don't know. That was oddly my assumption. I thought that they worked together at the camp. But yeah, I guess we don't know. I did feel a little bad. He he was so built and Drew seems like such an actual kid, you know, yeah. kind of scrawny teenager. And then that he had a car and Drew's like, no, I got my bike. Just like, <laughs> oh, this guy is just your opposite in kind of every way, making no. you feel less than. And oh. But that's not Jake's fault. I guess that's true. It's not Jake's fault. Well, do we, I mean, I kind of, I know kind of what I assumed. Did you assume that Drew and Amy slept together then? I did. Or did they just make an out? Mm, I did. Yeah, I did they, too. They closed the door. It was like the train yeah. going into the tunnel, I felt like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hitchcock reference. Okay. Well, yeah. speaking of that, taking it slow is going really well for Amber and Ryan. <laughs> Perfect segue. Talk about a hole in one. <laughs> oh, like, no. Is that, is that too far? <laughs> oh, that was awesome. Oh, man. It was nice to see a scene between her and Sarah. Yeah. And oh. this was just gold. Hi. And you have no pants on. Yes, I know. It's I, it's going to be a problem. Well, I, I, I can't go. I can't go. Today. I, I can't. have been waiting all week for pancakes. I, I'm sorry. The line at Hux is getting long and oh. I want pancakes. I cannot go today, okay? Why yes. are we whispering? Just, I can't. Stop. What do you have there? Mom, nothing. Just stop. If you're going to cancel breakfast, you have to give me facts. You robbed me of my breakfast time. I'm kind of like seeing him, okay? Really? Yes, it's different. I I really like this guy. Really? Yes, a lot, okay? So please. Who is it? I can't talk about this now. He's outside. You give me some facts or I'm going to come in. Stop. Okay. You met him. (gasps) I did. Yes, so be quiet. That's enough. Isn't that enough? At a baseball game. The army guy? Please Grandpa's don't call friend. him the army guy. Well, what's his name? His name is Ryan. Hey, Grandpa likes him. I know. Well, I really like him, too. <gasps> Listen, you have to go. He's no, outside. No, I'm saying. Please, just I should introduce me. No. <laughs> Please get out of here. Bye. I love Bye, you. Ryan. Mom! <laughs> it was pure gold. It was just so perfect. Yeah. You know, it, it reminded me of why I think Sarah is such a good parent, because I just couldn't help but contrast her reaction to, like, Adam and Christina, 
you know, and, and there are some similarities there with, you know, it's, I get that Amber is 20 and Hattie was 16. So that's, that's major, but like, you know, it's an older person and we later find out in the episode, like, oh, maybe there are some concerning things about the life experiences he's had and maybe we should be cautious, but you know, it's just like when Hattie told Camille about Alex, Camille's immediate reaction was joy. And when Amber told Sarah, her immediate reaction was joy and with Adam and Christina, it's just like blind panic. And I just couldn't stop thinking about that parallel. And what a lovely thing to raise your child in such a joyful way. I don't know. There's something really nice about just that support. And then if there's a concern, let's worry about that later. But maybe we don't start there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. I hadn't even thought of it. I loved how Sarah changed when um, when she had said how serious it was. Mm-hmm. I was like... Oh, you know, I mean, it went from teasing to like, she went into mom mode. Like she kind of bounced between mom and friend mode, but both modes were amazing. Both modes were supportive and both modes were awesome. Oh, I love that. You guys were enjoying <laughs> her support of Amber. I was over here noting that Lauren Graham is 5'9 and Mae Whitman is 5'1. Yeah. And I felt like you could really tell it in this scene <laughs> as they were like in that wide shot of the doorway. It's like, gosh, they are just nowhere near the same level when John Corbett is a conversation with her navel (laughs) it really doesn't make any sense that they cast Mae Whitman just physically as far as like just that like once they got John Corbett it's like well where did you come from but I mean she smoked and drank a lot that's right she (laughs) makes that joke with her that's what I forgot but they do look alike, you know, and sound alike. Like they, they, they really do feel very believable as mother and daughter. And it is yeah. fun to kind of see that shift as Amber gets older, that maybe she feels like she can just be her friend a little bit more. And I thought how there was that episode in season two that was actually called like, I'm cooler than you think. And Sarah wanted to be cool to Amber and just wasn't. And I'm like, oh, now that you're adults, that's like the first way she describes you to her new guy is don't worry. She's so cool. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah. Get throwback for sure. <laughs> and I just, oh, it's grandpa's friend. Like she, like when you think about that, the parallel you just made about um, Hattie's relationship and yeah. the way the parents. They didn't think, oh, well, Camille knows them. This is a good thing. You know, whereas that yeah. was her first mode. Like, you got grandpa's seal of approval. I'm down with it. Yeah. And then, you know, her mom mode came in later in the episode, just making sure that if, if Zeke knew anything or if there was anything she needed to know to protect her daughter, you know, she was able to do that. But she didn't, that wasn't her forefront emotion. Yeah. That wasn't her forefront reaction. Yeah, totally. I thought Ryan's scene with Zeke was an interesting contrast to the scenes we saw of Ryan with Amber and just what sides of himself he was showing these characters. Now, obviously, the dynamics of the relationships with those characters is vastly different. He yeah. slept with Amber and he was on a date with her and yeah. Zeke is older. But I just thought it was quite stark to see that there are aspects of his personality that he's totally open to showing Zeke that were nowhere on display <laughs> in his date with Amber. Yeah. Rightly so. But And then even that it seemed like he was hiding some of them, like what he was taking pills for. And he's up in the middle of the night and yeah, he doesn't fill her in on any of that. But with Zeke, he tells him, you know, the story about the farmer, mm-hmm. which was intense. That was intense. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he hides things from both of them too. He reveals different things, but like 
True. He doesn't tell Zeke that he's dating Amber. Mm-hmm. And then he doesn't tell Amber. Yeah, like details. But like just the fact that he's willing to take those pills in front of her, I thought was sort of a level of intimacy, even beyond sleeping with someone. You know, like he could have gone into the bathroom and taken those and she wouldn't have known, but he just takes them in front of her. And I thought that was yeah. kind of cool. It has me concerned, you know, just thinking about Amber's history with her dad. And then I felt like, I felt like I could see it on her face when she was brushing her teeth at the end of the episode, just kind of watching him and just him doing it so nonchalantly. Like, I'm just going to do this in front of you. It made me wonder what was going through her head. I felt like her facial expression said, I don't know if I should have a red flag up right now. I don't know if I should be like me, like something's off here, but you could tell her heart was fighting her brain. Like, I just felt like she was really in that moment. She was into someone. She really, really cared for someone. She loves this connection to her grandpa, but I feel like a little bit of her was wondering, am I going down a road that I've seen before? Yeah. And that just has me curious how this will play out in the next few episodes. That's a good point. Yeah. Cause I thought like it was a good thing that he was taking the pills in front of her. Mm-hmm. But now that you say that, I wonder, maybe not, maybe it just means he doesn't think it's a big deal and maybe it should be. And it makes me wonder mm-hmm. like, are these prescribed and he's taking them exactly as prescribed in which case that might be good. Or is he just popping them all the time in which case that might not be good. Yeah. That's now I have questions. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Sarah does too. You're really bringing the (laughs) transition. (laughs) I feel bad because I did want to mention that I thought Zeke showing Sarah off at Mm. the VFW was so precious. Yeah. That's sweet. You're the mayor, dad. Yeah. (laughs) He's just doting, you know, Uh. but that feels like exactly who he is. Especially with Sarah. Yeah. Further support. She's the favorite. Like I feel like he would not dote on any other child the way he doted on Sarah. I think you're right. Yeah. 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 He would not. Adam, completely different. Crosby, completely different. Um, Julia, completely different. I don't feel like anybody else would have gotten that praise from him. Man. Yeah. I probably shouldn't like that he has a favorite, but I no. kind of, I find it precious. I don't know. Yeah. And there was that scene. I mean, you guys have talked about it in your episode, right? Where he did say she was the favorite, right? It was maybe when she first moved back or I can't remember which season or which episode. Well, the very first episode, he calls her his shining okay. angel. angel or yeah. star. Yeah. Angel, I think. My shining angel, Sarah. Oh. Camille said she's her best one. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then I feel like he oh god, I love it when you guys make fun of the guy. Um Rob? Who's that guy? <laughs> oh. Gilliam. Oh, god. You guys How reminisce you about Gilliam? that guy. You guys yeah. about him. I think that too, just you know, Zeke's exchange with getting her that connection yeah. and, and getting better for something like that. Just just yeah, further supports. Because you're the girl of the four. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was nice to see her back with him. I mean, all, yeah. you know, together. That's the end of the episode. <laughs> We're all getting all the old bands back together. Well, and as much as I love, you know, um, Jason Ritter, I love Mark. I was kind of relieved because it seems like now he's only in episodes if Hank is also in the episodes and it's going to be a whole thing with their triangle. And so I was like, you know what? Let's take a break from that in this episode. That's great. She's just a mother and she's a daughter and we're going to just. I was glad Hank wasn't in it. Yeah. I think it's our first episode season four without Hank. Am I right about that? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, again, I think Ray Romano is fantastic, but I just I don't. I don't like it. And so it's just, I was like, yeah, let's just take a little break from that and go to other things. So it was kind of a relief, honestly. <laughs> it's one when I, interesting rewatching it. I don't feel like I remember that storyline developing the way I see it developing now. Like you, you know, I think in the last, it was the two podcasts ago, Melissa, where you were like, I totally see what they're doing here. And I feel like I was totally oblivious the first time around. <laughs> like I did not see it coming. I don't, yeah. 
I didn't see anything. It just, to me, it was like, okay, yeah, another job opportunity. Yeah. This guy's kind of weird, kind of a little bit like Max. Like that's just what I remember from yeah. it. So now hearing your guys' perspective and really watching it, I'm like, oh, how did I miss the memo on this? It is so blatant. Like whatever it is they're trying to do, it is so obvious. I still remain baffled by that. I, just, I know you are Mr. Sear all the way, which I, I totally appreciate. I can see it so much, yeah. but I have to say, I am starting to see like right now I am rooting for Ray Romano's character. Like yeah. I am rooting for him a little bit. I feel like Mr. Sear as perfect as he was, he did get a few red flags like yeah. towards the end of the season last season. I agree and I think that. some of those things that he gave the red flags on, I think Hank can provide. I think Hank has the experience and has the life experience for. So I see it but I totally get the obsession. I think he, he was off. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you're right. I mean, they do, I think they're in a more similar like life place, yeah. you know, where they're, they're not going to have a conversation about, should we have kids? You know, like they're just, no, they, they you know, and, and that does make sense. And then you don't have to feel bad that you're depriving someone of that possible, you know, plan. And, and I think that Mark was very much someone who probably does want that. And so it, it does ultimately make sense. But I, for some reason, I'm still like, what are you doing? No. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that we talked about Mark and, and uh, Hank, even though they aren't in this one, but I had to yes. get your opinion since you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can remember little pieces, but now I'm, I'm really excited as rewatching it, like for the key things I remember in these next couple seasons, just how, how I'll watch it again. Yeah, totally. Well, let's go back to Sarah and Zeke. Yeah. <laughs> and let's discuss this scene between them. Hey, there wasn't anything else about uh, Ryan and Amber that you wanted to tell me, was there? I feel like something was a little off. No, I, well, the, you know, he just didn't tell me he was dating my granddaughter. That kind of was screwed up. Uh-oh. That's it, though? Nothing yeah. else to worry about? Damn it, this isn't the right thing. Ouch. What did I do with that? Dad. Oh, Sarah, I mean, the kid just got back from Afghanistan. You know, he's been in a war. I got a lot of stuff going on. That's normal. I mean, I was the same way when I got back. Just going to take some time to get some balance in his life. Well, you know, when you're going through it, it's uh, usually the people you love and the ones that are closest to you that get hurt the most, that's... He's a good kid, Sarah. I really felt for Zeke there. It seemed to me like sort of an emotional version of Not In My Backyard. Have mm -hmm. you ever heard that phenomenon like with um, homeless shelters, for instance? People will say, oh, I'm all for it. We need to build homeless shelters so that people without homes have somewhere to find shelter, but not in my neighborhood because mm -hmm. I don't want all of those people around me and my family and driving our values down. So it becomes like, well, do you really support them then? Or is it just all in principle? And I thought Zeke wants to help Ryan transition into civilian life and forge new relationships. But when it's his granddaughter hmm. who stands to be hurt, then he's reluctant. But it, I, to me, it makes perfect sense. I don't say that as a criticism. It's just that it's going to be tough. And mm -hmm. Zeke loves Amber as much as he loves Sarah. Mm -hmm. You don't want her to get hurt. But she probably would be good for Ryan mm -hmm. in what he's trying to achieve with him. So 
really tough spot to be in. If Ryan dated anyone else, then Zeke, it's kind of like what we talked about earlier with point of view with Jake and Drew. If Ryan dated anyone else, Zeke would automatically, I'm sure, be team Ryan. If Ryan ever talked to him about yeah. a relationship or something, he'd be like, well, yeah, you know, that's great. You're, you're a good man. Go after her. That's awesome. She'd be lucky to have you. And then, but since he knows Amber better than he knows Ryan, oh, now I guess I'm team Amber instead, and I'm more concerned about her. It's just like a totally different perspective thing. And I think he thinks Ryan's a good man no matter what, but I think... Yeah, his feelings about Ryan being in a relationship just got a lot more complicated. Um, yeah. yeah, how he says he's a good kid at the end to Sarah, I thought was such a nice touch because it's as if he saw in Sarah mm. a moment of judgment. And I don't even think he's negating that judgment, but just saying he's still good. He's still a good person. I don't want you to think less of him, but we do maybe need to be on guard for yeah. some things. I think of a moment that Zeke had with Camille where he talked about how he had someone to come home to mm -hmm. when he came home from the war. And I know the timeline sometimes don't always match up when he talks about his experience in the service, but I feel like that's a little bit of what he was alluding to, you know, yeah. Yeah. even though I don't want it in my backyard, it's still, I'm glad you have someone that you're wanting to fight for or someone that you're wanting to live for or someone that you're wanting to forego a relationship with. Cause it felt like he kind of went to a dark place for a little bit yeah. when he didn't show up at the interview. And then you have Zeke, you know, knocking down his door and he's just looking out for him because he wants him to be fine. Yeah. And I think that's a struggle when you're, when you're entering civilian life, when you're coming from the service. And so I felt like that twinge, he was giving that little bit of approval. Like, I like that you have someone that you're wanting to be better for. Cause if you do have someone that you're willing to be better for, it means that you're going to be willing to work on yourself and not go down this rabbit hole or go down this dark place or, go down this place where maybe some of the people at the VA have gone down. Yeah. And so I think he had, he was holding on to that a little bit. And I think he was being really reflective on what his experience was when he came back into the civilian life. And he was really glad that he had Camille and, and he started this life. I mean, that heart wrenching moment when he talked to Amber at the scene of the car accident oh. and saying, this is what I envisioned. This yeah. is what I envisioned for my life. I feel like he's starting to support Ryan in that vision for his life, mm. you know, baby steps into that. That's yeah. beautiful. And I'm glad you brought up that scene with Camille because it makes me think perhaps Sarah, if she's concerned about this, should really be going to talk to Camille mm. and saying, Camille, or mom, mom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. what was your experience like when dad came back? Yeah. And how did you help him? And what did you find was effective and what wasn't? And how did you maintain your own mental health and stability through that? Yeah. I'd be really interested to know what Camille would say. Spoiler alert, I don't remember anything like that ever happening. <laughs> no. no one turns to her yeah. for that kind no. of wisdom. But that would have been such a great idea. You're totally right. They should, that's, I think, a missed opportunity if they don't end up doing that. Because I don't remember a scene like that either. But no. <laughs> as we've discussed, I forgot a lot. <laughs> yeah. So it's certainly yeah. possible. This is a small tangent, but that line that you mentioned, Caleb, where he says he's a good kid... I thought it was such an interesting choice to call someone who'd been to war a kid. And I thought, well, it makes sense from Zeke's perspective. He is a kid. But then I thought again of Alex and how Christina kept not wanting to call him a kid and kept wanting to call him a man. Mm -hmm. And I thought mm. that actually happens a lot. That happens a lot in like news articles and stuff where like black men or black boys are often sort of considered older and like therefore more threatening, quote unquote, than 
than white boys and like think of people like Brock Turner I don't mean to compare Ryan to Brock Turner Ryan Ryan's a wonderful person but like you know like sometimes white men have gotten that sort of benefit of the doubt of like oh but he's just a kid so he's ultimately harmless and good and we can trust him and I thought just since I guess I had already been making comparisons to the Alex situation I I could not sort of get that out of my head how Christina like specifically says oh but he's not really a kid is he and you know probably how old must Ryan be to have gone to Afghanistan two tours <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. he's older than 19 for sure and so anyway I thought that was just a really interesting thing to note that's one of my mind-blown moments yeah that parallel <laughs> okay yeah. yay I mean fascinating <laughs> absolutely fascinating and when you think about embedding kind of what we know now in society versus what was going on then in 2015 yeah you know just how much how much conversation how much has evolved how much has been brought to the forefront in, in topics like that yeah perfect example <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure Christina didn't even know she was doing that. No. Oh, which no. is exactly yeah. how that works. No. That is exactly how that works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's why so many people get defensive or, you know, miss it because it's not malicious, you know, it's not done to be cruel. It's just like it's why you have to like I think point it out when you do start noticing it because <laughs> otherwise you'll miss and it. And when he broke up with Hattie and had that goodbye scene with Christina, and all this time had passed and Christina really knew him. Yeah. Remember she told him, "You're a good kid." There it is. Then he was a kid to her. Yeah, cuz he was she loved him and wasn't threatened by him and knew him and yeah. And realized his whole life still was ahead of him and, Yeah. you know. Absolutely. That's a really interesting point. It is. He was humanized to her in that point. And how many people are not? They just they go on a, a stereotype or they feed off a microaggression or they just kind of move forward with whatever ideology they have and they don't get to know a person and they don't get to know who they are underneath and I love that it came out kind of in the pandemic, that thing that people would uh, stand behind, they would just show their bones. Like, we're all the same, you oh, know? Yeah. Like, you know, so it's like, I if, if I was behind this little screen and you saw my bones dancing and then I step <laughs> out and all of a sudden you realize I'm a black male or you realize I'm a trans person or whatever. It's like, yeah. why would that change? Right. I mean, but that's just what we build. That's how our society is built. Those, those thoughts and those processes and, and how we act on them and how we make decisions and make all these assumptions and, oh. No, totally, no. totally. Melissa, did you notice when Amber woke up and saw Ryan was awake, what she called him? <laughs> did she call him Buddy? <laughs> yes. I swear. It's just so oh, bizarre. <laughs> what is it like a little secret Easter egg? Like you're supposed like the yeah. it's like a drinking game or something. I mean, I was kicking myself. I was like, why have we not had a buddy alarm this whole time? <laughs> this whole time. Oh. Buddy. Would have gone off every episode. It's just crazy. <laughs> no, it would be the only sound any of our listeners would ever hear. <laughs> yeah. It just, I mean, once you notice that, I think you can't stop noticing how often Buddy comes up. No. You can't unhear it. No. Yeah. <laughs> that is a weird thing to call your like boyfriend. Like, what's up, buddy? Like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No babe or like, you doing okay, honey? Or like, yeah. yeah. Just- Random. Hot stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. Which would be very appropriate in this yeah. case. Yeah. Well, let's go to Julia and Joel and Victor in this episode. We have Julia concerned that Victor is being excluded by his teammates. I hate this. The whole reason we got him involved in baseball is so we could make some friends. How could they not invite him? He's new. Hey, kids have groups, cliques. I'm sure he'll, you know, get invited soon. You don't soon. think it's because he's... Is what? Be- because, because he's Latino? Yes, because, I don't no, know, because kids are weird. And maybe, 
I just wish one of the parents would have thought to invite him. What? Nothing. Hey, bud, uh, your mom and I were just talking that, uh, you know, you haven't had anybody over to the house yet. Think they might want to, you know, have a buddy, buddy over for a play date. <laughs> play date? Isn't that for, like, little kids? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It is. No, not so a not date. a play date. A hangout. For... Hangout. Yeah. Would you be into that? Sure. Great. Cool. Who should we invite? Maybe Miguel. Okay. I don't know Miguel. Which is he on the baseball team? No, he used to live in the apartment above mine. Oh, you, uh, you mean in the old neighborhood? Yeah, he's cool. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll look into it. Great. Can we do that? <laughs> <laughs> Just liked her tone of voice. Yeah. Can we do that? I had a question for both of you. When the therapist is kind of like discouraging that, I had trouble knowing why. Was it like the idea of like a clean break, I guess? I Did either of you feel like, oh, this is a bad idea? Because really no part of me was like, uh-oh, danger. And, and I was not sure why a therapist would have advised against that, I guess. I didn't think it was a bad idea, but I felt like I could see what they were saying. You know, right now he's transitioning well. At least feels like he's settling in. He's not on the couch playing video games. He's yeah. getting adjusted. And so any revisit of the past, I feel like it could cause for a regression. Oh, that makes um, sense. And just, so I could see kind of what they were saying, but I ultimately, when she said, I'm Victor, mom and you, and then we're going to do it anyways. <laughs> ultimately, I was on board with that. I was like, he needs something to feel like he's connected. Because even though he's connected, he's missing a piece. You could tell he was missing something. Yeah. And I really liked that when she said, I'm Victor's momming you, <laughs> it wasn't like she was trying to trump Joel as his father. She was trumping the um, social, the worker. social <laughs> worker, which I liked because yeah. I was like, yeah, I think her opinion should count maybe as much more than than hers. But I was like, oh, wait, you're not saying the mom is more important than the dad, right? You're both equally important. I don't know. But then, OK, yeah. no, she yeah. wasn't. So that was And funny. I liked what she said about he needs a friend right now. Yeah. Because I thought that was a good distinction because I felt like she wasn't discounting what the social worker said. That yeah. I think there would be value in not just entrenching him in you know the life he knew before this. Yeah. But if he is struggling in this moment, what can you do to help him right now? Yeah. Maybe don't reunite him with everyone he ever met. But <laughs> one friend can come yeah. over and play basketball. Yeah. I like that she trusted her gut. Yeah. My question. So I had made a note when she was talking to Joel, do you feel like she was kind of embellishing a little bit about how left out mm. Victor felt? Like, I feel like I didn't feel that from Victor and I didn't feel that from that opening um, the opening scene where he sees them go into the other car and kind of goes. But then when she's talking to Joel, I felt like she was really milking it. So I couldn't <laughs> tell if she was milking it because it was true and I just missed it. Or if she was just really wanting to try to ultimately arrive to the decision that she wanted to bring this friend along. I, I kind of wondered if it was more Julia's feelings were hurt than Victor's yes. feelings, you know? It, it He seemed like, I couldn't really read him if he was hurt by that or if he was like, I never said we were that close. I couldn't tell if that was like defensively protecting his sadness or if he was like, no, it's just fine. <laughs> I don't really know that kid. Yeah. yeah. I was torn. I thought that when he got in the car and was still looking at them, okay. then I thought, okay, this is, it's not just pissing him off. Yeah. I think there are some hurt feelings. Okay. But I don't know if one instance of hurt feelings rises to the level of Victor's being excluded. The other kids <laughs> won't talk to him. Something I liked about this whole storyline is I felt like the subtext of it all was Julia doesn't have anything else to do except focus <laughs> on her family. Yeah. And I don't know 
that she would have noticed this stuff. Yeah. If she had been at work. Now, I don't think that's reason for her to like willy nilly quit her job necessarily, <laughs> right. but it might be a silver lining that she mm-hmm. can focus that problem solving intensity on her kids yeah. and say, I, I see that he is kind of searching for friendships and coming up short. What can we do to help him right now mm-hmm. feel a little more secure in that area? And I think what they do ends up being a great thing for him. Yeah. And if she were still at Leon's firm, I forget what the name of the firm <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah. I don't know if that would be happening. I kind of liked that for a show that I think was thinking of itself as post-racial and doesn't bring up these issues a lot. I liked that she questioned if that could be a factor. And it wasn't a very special episode moment. It was a, here's the facts before me, and this could be an explanation. But I also wondered initially... It felt a little like, would this happen in Berkeley? Like, he's the only Hispanic kid on the team. Mm. But I revisited the census demographics from our first episode. And in 2010, in Berkeley, the uh, Latino population of any race was just 10.8%. And the national percentage was 16%. And I thought, okay, so it, it actually is plausible that Victor would really be in the considerable minority where he's living and very plausible that he'd be the only Latino kid on his baseball team. So then I kind of cut her some slack and like, it's worth examining. I think Mm -hmm. I was just very grateful that it was mentioned because am I right that they haven't really talked about him not being white until this episode, you know? And so it was interesting to hit it from different angles, like her wondering that and, you know, just when dr- they didn't even know he was bilingual. Right. He, right. Like, that was so interesting. I love how they handled all of that. I thought it was really beautifully and subtly done. Can I be honest with you? I was very nervous when they drove into the neighborhood, not for them, but for how the show was going to portray like this neighborhood. You know, I was like, oh, God, are we going to get lots of like and not because I think that they're like jerks i want to make that really clear i just think when you have mostly white people writing a show sometimes it does go to stereotypes and even if you have good intentions and so for the most part i thought they really didn't you know i noticed things like people standing outside smoking which i think you would get in any neighborhood and then somebody like getting groceries out of the car and i noticed miguel's mom like put his coat on and made sure it was fastened and like kissed him and i was like they are portraying like a very you know, typical neighborhood that looks like any other neighborhood, I think, with like a variety of people. And I was really relieved, honestly. And then when he spoke Spanish and it made her so happy to see him in his element and then her decision to learn it, I was like, oh, this is wonderful. My heart could burst. I thought that it was just, I don't know. I just didn't remember how it had been handled. And I know sometimes now that I notice things I didn't used to notice, I was just I was worried, but it, I, I did need... in that scene where they're driving in the neighborhood. I wrote down, did Julia have to wear her most June Cleaver <laughs> outfit for right. her trip to the other side of the truck? Oh my God. Like, yeah, that's she true. She was going to a day at the office. Yeah. She wasn't even like normal, like Saturday clothes, like how she is at, at home. Yeah. Except, Where's was, like, the pearls, down, Julia? Right? Yeah. It was yeah. really, that was the only thing that was missing. Cause I think she had like a little collared shirt, you know, <laughs> the, the, the sweater over it. Like, yeah. Oh, that's a good point. I also wondered with all the shit that, Joel and Julia own. Do they not have an actual basketball hoop for the boys <laughs> instead of a flower pot? Right. <laughs> That's true. Right. I mean, they seem to be having a ball anyway. Yeah. But it's like, 
give him a hoop. <laughs> something real. Yeah. I also want to mention that Victor's friend is named Miguel. Miguel is the name of the character that Jolo Maridueña plays on Cobra Kai. Oh, fun. Yeah. I, I don't watch that, that show, but I, don't I looked it up and that's his character's name. I really liked Julia's whole storyline. I just felt like I, I put proud mama bear. And I felt <laughs> like she was like sticking up for her kid. She was making sure that he was being taken care of emotionally. She it just, and I, and I love Kayla that you said, I don't know that she would have had the capacity to do that if she was still working. Yeah. So I think yeah. that, I think that opened up an opportunity for her, which is the very reason why she left knowing that she just couldn't do both to the fullest of her capacity. And yeah. I'm glad you two noticed that. I didn't even really think about it from that angle. And that's a cool angle to, to consider for sure. And she certainly wouldn't have time to like learn Spanish to bond mm-hmm. with her. You know, like that's, that is just really good use of this time at home. You know, I feel like, it's that's her type a personality like i'm not just gonna come home and not (laughs) kill it at home like just do the absolute best i can and it's really nice to see her doing that like even when she's learning spanish she's got like the little headset on like she did at work you know it's like she's got the gear yeah this is my job now and yeah i thought that was cool and i was really glad they showed victor seeing her learning spanish even though it was borderline like i was like is victor gonna start nodding and he didn't (laughs) because i'm like that would be too much but I, I just think, as Joel says, they're trying to make him feel at home in the new environment. I think for Victor to see his parents making that kind of effort to meet him, you know, that it's not Victor needs to acclimate himself to us. You need to acclimate yourself to Victor, too. Yes. And you, you can both make efforts there. And um, I was glad that he saw his mom doing that. Oh, yeah. I agree. I was interested that the the sister wasn't really a part of it. Like for some reason I had a feeling when they had suggested the play date, she was going to chime in and say, well, how come I don't get a play date? I know she's oh, kind yeah. of dialed it back a notch. Cause I felt like when he first entered the picture, that was very much her sentiment. Just they were two different buckets almost like what they were doing with Victor was not the same as what they were doing with the sister. And so I just felt like I remember seeing her in the background, but I was just shocked that she wasn't a part of it. Like, Oh, well, who's that Victor? Just, she didn't engage in the dialogue, didn't engage. So I just, I feel like that part's missing for me. Like that right now they're showing the the relationship between Victor and the parents, but also I feel like when is it going to show the, the, the Victor and the sibling yeah. and just yeah. how that comes together? Cause I feel like we've seen Victor and the cousins. Mm-hmm. So she's been included in that, but they haven't shown any dynamic between the two of them. And I feel like it's almost just as valuable as the relationship he's trying to forge with his parents. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I often just keep thinking it from the like angle of, I get it because the equity piece is that Victor needs more, I think, than Sydney does because of the way they've been brought up and the fact that Sydney's had them her whole life and and can count on certain things that Victor is not sure he can count on yet. He doesn't know them as well as Sydney does. But at the same time, I keep thinking, boy, if I were Sydney, that would be really hard. Not just the fact that now I have a sibling who is my age, maybe even older, but the idea that like, wow, my mom never quit her job for me, did she? You know, or or just all these like little things that... She did say, why couldn't you miss his stupid baseball yeah. Yeah. in that last title. episode? Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I get that. I I, I mean, from a... Especially from a child. Yes, yeah. yeah. From our point of view, we can be like, well, Sydney, here's why, you know. But like, if you're a kid, that would probably hurt so much. And you would yeah. probably feel like 
they loved Victor more, even though, of course, we know that's not true. It's Victor has needs that go beyond, I think, Sydney's needs. But mm-hmm. that's very... And certainly right now, I don't think it'll be that way forever. No. Yeah, yeah. But it's a huge adjustment. Yeah. But what I, I mean, it, I do look forward. I hope I, I'm trying to even remember. And I, I, yeah, so no spoilers anyway. But yeah, but yeah storylines with Victor and Sydney have a lot of potential to be fascinating. Like mm-hmm. that is a super interesting dynamic. So I also liked that Julia, going back a little bit, trusted her gut in the moment with the social worker. It reminds yeah. me of is it Dr. Spock's book? Where his like number one piece of advice is trust yourself or trust your instinct, something oh. like that. And I would think that I mean, Manal, you're you're a parent actually. Mm-hmm. How do you balance like expert advice with kind of what feels right to you as the parent in the moment? It's hard. I mean, in every moment, it's like it almost feels like teaching at home. You're making all these decisions at once and. You know, I feel like I had a little bit of a crutch because my husband had been a parent before, uh, but being new to it, you know, just kind of balancing was like, no, I'm, I mean, Catherine was nine when Henry was born. He goes, I don't remember, you know, these things. So I'm doing this with you. And I do ultimately think so it, it comes to trusting your gut. It's just, you know, something doesn't feel right, act on it. Um, and just knowing that that tiny human or that larger human or, you know, whatever age your, your sole mission is to make sure that they are safe and they are healthy. And, you know, we had a couple of times last year, uh, Henry has just some kind of breathing issues. We went to the emergency room three different times, two hospital stays on each of those times. But I remember the first time we went, it was all about our gut. You know, we're trying to not be those like overreactive parents. And I feel like I'm more sensitive to that, you know, especially being, I'm going to teach, I'm a teacher in a very affluent district. And so when you see how involved um, the community (laughs) is, how involved families are, how um, vocal they can be, you know, and things I always vowed, I'm like, I never wanted to be that parent. I never wanted to be that person that's like, demands this for my kid. I want to try to go through the hierarchy of things. You know, I'm also thinking medical background, like with my mom, but ultimately just thinking, okay, I feel like this goes beyond just calling about every sniffle or, you know, goes beyond calling about every little um, cough. This is something serious. And I feel like we do need to act on it. And I'm so glad that we did because we were able to catch something before it got worse, but it automatically comes to trusting your gut and honestly doing what you need to just stay sane and alive. (laughs) There are sometimes some decisions I know probably weren't better for the long run, but it's just what I needed to do to be sane or what my husband needed to do to be sane to get through that moment. It honestly feels like that, um, the coach that people really praise, and um, there's a really good 30 for 30 on him. He died from cancer, Jimmy V. Oh yeah. yeah. Sometimes, sometimes parenting is survive in advance. <laughs> sometimes yeah. That's what I tell my friends. I'm like, it's truly survive in this moment and get to the next day or survive in this moment and get to the next feeding or survive in this moment, and get to the next, you know, the next milestone. And so I would ultimately say, yes, trust your gut and, and keep moving. Trust your gut and keep moving forward is definitely what I feel as a parent. Wow. That's so valuable to hear. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I only know it, yeah, from the other side, being a teacher. And it's interesting to sort of take note of different types of, of parents. But I almost always prefer the parents who are like maybe a little overdoing it than the ones who are underdoing it. <laughs> you know, like like, mm-hmm. yeah, you call home and they're like, child is like, struggling or failing and they're like yeah I know <laughs> you're like oh okay <laughs> and I don't know what to do with that and I don't know what that must be like and then I think well that must be hard in its own way to like get those kinds of phone calls a lot and right. don't know what to do about it so right. yeah Melissa now I'm also thinking about what you mentioned about we see things through the perspective of the characters that we know not the characters that we don't yeah 
I wonder if Miguel was missing Victor. Yeah. What did he think happened to his friend? Right. And he just was supposed to move on with life. And I don't know where Victor is now. Guess I need to make new friends. Yeah. Oh, Victor lives in this amazing house now. They don't have a basketball hoop, but they've got everything else. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. What a good point. Or even it would have been interesting to see the adult dialogue, you know, mm-hmm. the dialogue between Miguel's I, I you know, family yeah. member. I mean, I assume that was his mom. I don't know if it was a caregiver or another relative or whatever, but the dialogue between Joel and Julia, like how she just kind of sent him off, like no, no visiting, like, oh, are you? Yeah, what's the trust? Miguel- uh, yeah, are you yeah. who's Victor staying with? And are you we really miss so and so or so glad Victor got out of that or you know just any type of dialogue that gives some some reference about what what kind of situation Victor was in yeah 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 you know now that we're talking about this something else I find really interesting is that I think the other prominent Latinx character we've had is uh, Zoe Mm -hmm. and they were going to adopt Zoe's son and so it was like kind of either way they were going to have a Latino son and I think that's really interesting like I don't know I don't even know what to do with that information it's just I'd never really thought about that before and yeah it's kind of cool maybe they're meant to learn something about that culture in the you know grand design of the universe yeah which I don't even believe in but (laughs) it's nice to think about yeah of course if they'd had Zoe's child then likely that child wouldn't have ever spoken Spanish, you know, or, or had a, they would have had the, they would have raised them completely in their own culture. Yeah. And I'm not even criticizing that. It's just, I'm noticing that's what the difference would have been. That's interesting. And so, yeah, this is probably teaching them something that raising Zoe's child wouldn't have. And now I'm thinking about Zoe's child, wherever Mm. Zoe is. And, you know, like, boy, having a completely different life than than he would have had and I'm guessing just as good of a one you know it's anyway it's all very interesting I it's one of my favorite things to do actually whether it's in a book I'm teaching or (laughs) this show that I'm watching and (laughs) podcasting about I love trying to think what is it like from that character you know who we probably aren't meant to be thinking about I just think that's interesting to do well last but not least we have Christina's storyline in this episode She had her surgery in the last episode, so we're dealing with the wake of that. I was taken right away by the fact that they went with frenzied chaos in the house Mm -hmm. rather than like somber convalescence. I thought this is a more interesting choice in the wake of the surgery and probably more realistic because the whole household is not going to just stop because she's having surgery or had surgery. Yeah. It's going to have to keep going, but they're just without the person that made it all run. Yeah. Yeah. It really stressed me out that Max was not taking Otis out. That Same. Was such a, I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah. And then when he peed on the floor, I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah, that's what happens. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Right. <laughs> I was so disappointed. I'm like, you did all this work, all this research, like you sold your case and I was so happy for you. And then you just fell short. Yeah. That's a good point. Like he yeah. really made it seem like, and when he, I did think it was funny that he was like, I am taking care of him. I'm petting him. I'm showing him love. Like, I'm like, that's, that does check out. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. It just made me think this is early morning and yeah. I have three dogs, you know, like that's the first thing I do the when first. I wake up is to is let them outside. I wouldn't just pet them. And then, no. yeah. So anyway, I also liked as much as we rag on Adam for losing his temper, I kind of liked when he was like, cut the crap, Max, and take him back. (laughs) Not because I like parents losing their temper, but 
it is something that happens, and I feel like we don't see it on this show. Yeah. Like, how often do we see a parent getting mad at their kid over just behavior, not yeah. not, not a big some dramatic huge thing, storyline thing? Yeah, yeah. but like, yeah. A, I told you to walk the dog, and you're not letting the dog out. Put your fucking game down and take the dog outside. (laughs) And I thought, that's the side of parenthood that people do not make shows about. But sometimes that's it. Exactly. ticked. And especially with Max, you know, I think sometimes, not that they're making excuses, but they're always realizing there's a backstory, right? His diagnosis and, and, and the way he works with people and how he understands things. He just doesn't understand this as a command, but it's like, no, you know what this means. You know what the expectation is. There's no, there's no hidden behind it. Like just get your shit done. Yeah. Yeah. I, I find that fascinating, actually, because, yeah, I, I feel like this whole, how do I want to put this? I feel very torn sometimes between knowing how hard to push and how, yes. like, just with teaching, and I imagine with parenting, it's it's even harder. And I, I don't know, there are some times that I'm like, I don't want to push a kid so hard that he, like, breaks. I don't know what's going on at home, et cetera, et cetera. So I feel like I'm very, (laughs) I lean towards being too permissive. And I think that's often a good way to go, but I think sometimes it can be detrimental. And I think Adam and Christina with Max are often a little too permissive. And like you said, they kind of make excuses sometimes. And I think sometimes they should, but I think sometimes they shouldn't. And like, Mm -hmm. this was one of those cases where I'm like, it may seem like a small moment, but I I thought it was good of Adam too. I'm like, you also don't want to raise like an entitled kid whether he's on the spectrum or not you don't want someone to just be entitled and so yeah yeah barking cut the crap at him is probably not the best way you know it should probably be like removing the game from his hands and saying telling him what the consequence will be if he doesn't do what but so human it's so real so human especially in in the wake of this surgery adam has a lot to take care of yeah and max is not really holding up his end of the deal here yeah we see the lessons again in this episode (laughs) and i thought they were horrible but hilarious (laughs) i you know phil is oversharing again and suze susie whatever her name is like attacked christina is making making things all about herself and i love that (laughs) christina they come over to comfort christina and christina ends up having to comfort them and give them tea it was just and those actors are, I don't know if we've ever praised them enough. We should. They're great. But they like, are so funny. And that now that there's a history with them, I feel like they walked in and then just went right into their routine. Yeah. No, totally. Agreed. I mean, the second Sue started crying, I was <laughs> cracking up. And Christina's lying. Let me just get a chicken out. Or do you want some tea? And then let me just get another chicken. Just have a seat. I'm like, you know, the seven chickens that are in the refrigerator, however many yeah. that are in there. That was a funny little visual. And at first I was like, oh gosh, if it were me, I would not open my fridge in front of them and make them feel bad for bringing the same thing everyone else thought of. But then I'm like, it's a little bit of like throwing shade at the, <laughs> I sort of loved it. I thought it was great. Like you think you're so original, check out my fridge. Yeah. I don't know. And then, of course, um, th- I mean, we're going to get to the whole Camille thing, which I thought was the most interesting part probably mm-hmm. of the whole episode was their dynamic. But, I mean, what a really realistic mini conflict that she would think that Christina meant it when she said, oh, I wish I could talk. And, you know, not realizing right. Nora <laughs> not re- is the excuse here. Yeah, yes. she desperately yeah. wants to get away and you're taking her excuse away. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's so funny to think 
Adam would have <laughs> known exactly what she was. Right, of course. Yeah. Doing she needed there, a code you know. word. She needed a code word like no. Like I, I'm yeah. not ready for this. I need you to make an excuse for me like I need to exit the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Would have been so stressful. And then how long did she say they stayed when she was two, talking to Adam? And a half hours. Oh two my God. Two and a half hours. That is too long. Too is long. somebody who's about to go into chemo? No. Like, oh my God, they're just so insensitive. No. They had no idea, like no awareness. Like they should have just been like, we don't want to keep you. We just wanted to drop this off. Let us know if you need anything. Yeah, they had yeah, no bye. awareness. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. One big headline for me of Christina's storyline, Christina has a mother. The mom, I seen. I put it like several times. Like what in the world? Oh, we didn't know for sure. No. I mean, she's mentioned her once, twice. Yeah. He made her so miserable every day of her life. Yeah. Like, yeah. She said that about her parents. And then at the beginning of the episode, I I remembered that her mom was not actually in this episode. But I thought if you if you weren't remembering, you're like she has a mom and she might actually make an appearance. Yeah. And and I I thought you know when we have people on who've never seen an episode before, we send them a family tree just so that they can <laughs> keep track because there's a lot of characters. There are. And there are. There's, there's so many of them. And as I was watching this episode and getting these like teeny tiny morsels of information about the in-laws i felt a little more lenient with the show parenthood because i thought there are so many characters it makes sense that maybe they just initially thought let's not even bother ourselves or the viewers with in-laws yeah we've got enough to keep track of they've got enough to follow but i thought by season four People who are watching the show have probably been watching the whole time and they understand who all the characters are. We can handle an in-law, right? And I thought it seems like a great chance for a, a terrific guest star. Yeah. It's going to be Christina's mom. Like if we've got time for Richard Dreyfus and Steven <laughs> Weber, we can have some fabulous woman play Christina's mom while she's got cancer, right? Yeah. But no, I guess I was asking. Can we get that. Susan Sarandon? I don't know. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. someone epic. Yeah. I it, it actually sort of when I saw that they were mentioning her and then not casting her, I almost felt mad. I don't know who I felt mad at. I mean, obviously her mom, but it felt so unrealistic that it was actually hard for me to feel mad at her. I'm like, is she a villain? Like, like she didn't come to see Nora when her when she was born. She didn't, you know, like you know, Christina's in-laws are the ones who threw her shower. I'm like, who is this mom who yeah. has no time for her kid ever? Also, who's yeah. Roy with his kidney stones? Yeah. Is more important. I than wonder that. It's like, who did you? That right. Yeah. I, so I assumed Roy was a stepdad, stepdad. Or, That's what I thought a, too. Like, or like a spousal yeah. equivalent yeah. of her mom. But we I, all thought that. Yeah, yeah, I thought that too. Okay. But, but I was like, I, I don't know. I was just like, maybe you should just have her be dead. And the conflict isn't that her own mother won't come visit, but she just misses her mother because yeah. I, I just almost found it unbelievable. I, I'm like, she's just got to be like a bad person and let, like, or describe it in a way that's like, she's afraid of flying or like, I don't know. I needed something because I just could not wrap my head around how we're not supposed to hate her, but maybe we are supposed to hate her. I'm like, who wouldn't? You know, now that you're describing her, the person she reminds me of is Blanche. Wow. Oh, the that Zeke yeah. has this mother who yeah. Uh, yeah. lives in the state, but seems yeah. like she can't be bothered yeah. by her family. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm wondering, in retrospect, the great part of that road trip episode, well, one of many great parts, 
was the scene between Zeke and Christina. Yeah. And if they share a connection of we both have mothers who won't give us the time of day and mm. don't give a shit about our families. Yeah. It makes that moment perhaps even more poignant. But it is like, I don't know that I know any friends who have relationships with their mothers like that. Yeah. And I know some people who have relationships that aren't ideal. Mm-hmm. But it's not that their mothers like ignore them. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I'm trying, maybe I'm being too privileged by just saying, like, what mother wouldn't come visit? I mean, maybe there are mothers mm-hmm. out there, but I'm just like, who, even in the most extreme of circumstances, like, to me, I almost think that that means you're just never in contact with that person. Like, it's just like a severed thing or something. But, like, the idea that you think your mom might come visit when you have cancer and then they won't, or, like, has your mom ever met her grandchild? I, I don't mm-hmm. know. It just raised so many questions for me that I wondered if it was even worth it to have Christina's mother be alive. Cause I was mm-hmm. just like, Ooh, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It was a missed opportunity for sure. Or like, could they have followed up with, she would have sent a chicken basket or something, you know, something <laughs> yeah. were like, it would have shown how insensitive the mom was, right? Like that she was there. She couldn't get over her own stuff to make the visit, but she'll send something to her mom or to Christina to say that she was like thinking of her or something like it just, yeah, it just felt really muffled. Like it was just a missed it felt like what they were trying to get at ended up yeah. still being executed and seeing how hurt she was and just seeing how she, when she started opening up to Adam saying, I just want to be sad. And I just want my mom to be here. Like, I think most people, when you're in your most vulnerable state, the traditional thing to say is I want my mom. I yeah. think that was, I think that was portrayed. I think that was executed, yeah. but yeah, just, it was just a missed, it was just a missed opportunity. And I thought maybe even the first time they were going to have like Camille overhearing it. You know, I mean, it ended up happening the second time around when she just talked about how she was missing her mom. But I just thought there was going to be more exchange between the two of them surrounding that conversation. Like it was just going to build more. It was just interesting how it played out. Oh, totally. I totally went with it. But (laughs) you're so right. It was just a blind spot. Yeah. On my part. It just, it ended up taking me out of the moment a little because I was like, really? I was just so, Yeah. yeah, it brought so much up that I was almost distracted by it. But Everything else, I mean, was so, so good. I really loved yeah. the storyline. Yeah. So, I might have been yeah. distracted because of what the payoff of it. Yeah. Right. For instance, right. I think this scene, it may be the most that I have ever liked Christina. Buckle up. <laughs> well, how exactly is she driving you crazy? She's a hovercraft. She's in the kitchen. She's moving everything around in the house. She's so frustrating to me. Oh, by the way, the Lessing stopped by today and they brought a chicken. Another chicken. They stayed for two and a half hours. She took Nora upstairs while I had to sit downstairs and entertain them. I had to make Phil Lessing tea. It's just so frustrating. I don't know what to do. I feel like a prisoner in my own home. Oh, sorry. Listen, I'll, I'll talk to her. I just, I don't want you to do that, okay? I mean... Look, she's fine. She's helpful. She's trying to be there for me. I just, it's frustrating to me, honey, because I don't like being taken care of, okay? I'm not used to it. I want to take care of people, and I feel just, I just, I feel helpless right now, you know? Oh, honey. Just, I wish. (sighs) What is it, hon? Go ahead. I want to be able to pick up my baby. I want to be able to take her upstairs and read her a book. At nap time, I want to be able to not eat this crappy food that's making me feel yucky and supposed to be healthy for me okay and i want my mom i want my own mom to consider me important enough to get on a plane and come here to see me and i know i sound like i'm complaining right now but i just sometimes wish that things were back to normal and i wish that i could just curl up in a ball and cry over it but i can't because because your mother's here 
really sorry. I'm sorry. Chrissy? Um, I gotta go. I'm fine. I'm just having a moment. I love you. All right, love you too. Bye. Ugh. I know, I cried. That was the scene I cried for this episode. It's just so freaking relatable. Yeah, it is. I, yeah, totally. I've had conversations with multiple people in my family about in-laws or even just family, any family staying with them for a certain length of time. It grates on you and you do have to a little bit adjust your behavior or, I mean, in some cases, adjust it a lot. But I don't know. I, I, I just thought it was so relatable I liked how she related to Adam, that she, seeing her vent about it. Mm-hmm. I liked how she badmouthed Camille, but not really badmouthing because she she understands intellectually why Camille is there and appreciates it. I loved that Christina said herself, I'm not complaining, I'm just having a moment. I was mm-hmm. like, that's my everyday life. <laughs> and I also remember reading a review in preparation for some podcast that said what people in families talk about often is other people in Mm. the family and they said that parenthood was at its best when it did that and i thought this is a really great example of that to have christina griping about adam's mom i thought that was just really well done and i also thought adam did a really good job just listening yeah not putting a positive spin on it or trying to fix it or trying to calm her down Mm -hmm. and in the moment when he could tell she was hesitating encouraging her to say just say it. Yeah. And the fact that he just his really the only thing he said was I'm sorry. And you could tell he meant it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not just sorry she's doing all that, but maybe I'm sorry. I thought it would be a good idea to have her come over and it's actually yeah. making it worse for you. I thought that was a really lovely thing because, yeah, he, like you said, not putting that positive spit. That's the thing that's been driving me crazy about him this season. And I yeah. felt like and especially he, since they've addressed that before, it felt a little bit like. Adam's heard this critique, hasn't he? And he's really taken it to heart. Yeah, I loved that. And, you know, I'll just say that in previous episodes, I mean, I'm usually on Camille's side, not Christina's, when it's between the two of them. I feel like that's often been the case. And this was was one of those times where I'm like, oh, I like... I like how it makes me see, again, both sides because I was much more on Christina's side in this episode. Even though... I really liked the scene. It was just a real quick one with Adam stopping by Camille and Zeke's house in the beginning. I liked that scene because it helped me understand it contextualized what what Camille was doing. Like she's not being bitchy. She's doing what Adam explicitly right. told her to do. Yeah. Like she's not just saying, oh, don't have that sugar because she herself is doing this. She's got Adam's voice in her head. I can't let her have sugar. What would that do? And so it was so nicely set up where no one's bad. (laughs) It's just... Everyone's intentions are Mm -hmm. wonderful. Yeah. But man, I really, really felt for Christina. And it also made me think, I think I maybe have kind of a similar relationship with my mother-in-law as Christina has with Camille, which is mostly love and respect. But like even what really made me think it was the scene where (laughs) Camille's like, you know, I wasn't so sure about you. I'm like, neither was my mother-in-law about me. (laughs) Uh, But now, I mean, she's really happy we're together and everything. But it is interesting, I think, when you just have two people who are just different from each other, you know? It's not because one of them's good or bad, but they're just different and they just approach everything totally differently. And I really liked all those little awkward moments in the episode and everyone's good intentions, but just 
and and I mean I love being by myself or just being in my own I totally got when she was hiding out from Camille in Max's room yeah I loved you I looked really closely the book on her lap was called lizards (laughs) (laughs) of course it is Uh, she's not reading for her own enjoyment in there no she's probably picking up Max's room yeah I felt like Camille was a little bit like Adam in that positivity spin when she started talking about her friend that had been going through chemo and talked about, you know, they, they talk about it not being termed as poison and trying to put this like positive spin. And I put awkward is the best way to describe it. I couldn't figure, I couldn't put my finger on how to describe their interaction right there at the beginning, but that's exactly what it was like. It was just like, oh yeah, I'm going to end up okay. Or this. And, and I feel like Camille, she, it did feel like she was speaking from a script of Adam. Yeah. That last exchange between Camille and Christina, she was speaking from Camille's heart. Yes. Good point. I brought you something. Remember I told you about my friend who had just gone through chemo? She gave me this to give to you. Her aunt, who had been through the same thing, gave it to her. So uh, it's been passed from person to person. And you'll be the seventh person to wear this during chemo. That's... I understand it gets really cold. And um, that's warm and cozy. It's also, um, it goes on and off real easy, you know, just in case. This is really thoughtful. Thank you. Christina. (laughs) You know, when, when Adam first brought you home to meet me, I really didn't think you were right for him (laughs) at all. I've never been so happy to be so wrong about anyone. Thanks. And I know I'm not your mom. I would never try to replace her. But I love you, Chrissy. I'm here for you. I'd do anything for you. Anything. I feel like Camille didn't get to be Camille initially because she was just trying to do everything to make her son happy because she could see how worried her son was and she was trying to be okay for her son. And then after, you know, Adam hugged her and he left, you could tell she just had this sigh of relief. Like this is what my son's going through. So I'm trying to be a mom, but I'm also trying to be a mother-in-law and I'm trying to balance all the roles. And then at the end, I feel like Camille just got to be Camille, this loving person who will always give from her heart and who will always be there and support. Well, it was such a good contrast. Like when she that that's what true comfort looks like like this will be hard I, I hear it gets cold you know this slips on easily and off and like it was actually taking into consideration what that would be like for her and giving her some something tangible that was like really supportive instead of kind of platitudes which i think the soldier comment was and then also just the idea that cancer survivors had worn that that's like a very hopeful emblem you know then it's like this whole passing down of something and here's a bunch of women who have been through this and I'm guessing they all lived because otherwise that might you know that might be a little um sadder but like yeah just give this and it might feel more hopeful like I am not alone here here is everyone who has been through this and that's kind of beautiful I was also really happy in that scene that Adam was there for the end of it. Mm -hmm. And I can't even say why exactly, 
but I just loved that he saw them tearfully hugging. And I also felt like the look that Monica Potter gave him, just that one look communicated to him that this was good. It wasn't sad. Not like, oh, you just walked in on some tragic moment between me and Camille. No, you seem, I felt like her face was saying, I know I'm crying, but this is good. Don't worry. Yeah. I think it was some validation. Yeah. 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 I think it was yeah. Adam. It was, it was ultimately knowing that having Camille help was the right thing to do. It maybe didn't start off yes. on the right foot. And I think that's what they, both of their eyes were communicating. Adam and Christina it was like, this was the right move. And I know I had my <laughs> moments, but this was ultimately the right thing to do. That's why yeah. I couldn't say why, yeah. but that is, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Really well put. I didn't even think of it like that. I love that. That's good. It was a really beautiful moment, but it was so awkward leading up to it. And awkward was the, <laughs> the perfect word, the perfect word for it. Cause it just felt like she was just trying to make everything better and, and make her feel better. And it was doing anything, but yeah. That, yeah. And that would make me feel worse. I, I mean, I, I can't say for sure. I've, I've never had to go through something like chemo personally, but, um, a good friend of mine did, uh, that she was my coworker in Pittsburgh and, um, She's like one of the most badass people I've ever met in my life. And she was very much just call it what it is, you know, and she was like, oh, I'm going to go get this poison, you know, to inject it. And it, it wasn't because she was being negative. She was just like facing it. And like, I mean, I kind of rolled my eye when I was like, oh, I'm not going to look at chemo as like a battalion of soldiers fighting. Like, that's just silly almost you know and I mean okay no I don't mean to be disrespectful that might help some people it would not have helped me I would have been like let's just call it what it is so we can look at it and face it and we already know it was good writing good consistency we knew that that's how she feels she doesn't want to cute see it up it's not cute it's hard and it's necessary but it is what it is you can't euphemism your way out of this (laughs) yeah and I love what you both have been saying about she had Adam's voice in her head it makes me see a connection because one of the questions I was going to ask was, do you think Camille did the right thing when she gave Christina the keys in that moment after having overheard her conversation with her mom? But now I'm thinking it's akin to Julia and the social worker. Yeah. Joel wanted to just follow the expert advice and Julia had a gut feeling that she felt like given what she was facing in that moment, she had to go with that. And I felt that way about Camille. I thought, Camille made a judgment call based on what she saw in front of her own face. And I think it was the right thing to do. And I think Camille thought it was, well, clearly she did. Mm -hmm. It makes me think like, what is health? Um, (laughs) I don't know. Like, (laughs) obviously I think it's good to do the things like drink the health drinks. And, you know, actually my friend I was talking about, she did a lot of that. Like, I mean, she had like stage three cancer is colon cancer and then it spread to her lungs and she is like 100% in remission now. Like, I mean, she is a badass. She like, Mm. just, I don't know how, anyway, really incredible, but she did all that stuff. She drank the gross, you know, kale or whatever. She did all this research and I, so I believe in the power of stuff like that. No cotton candy for her. (laughs) (laughs) Just, I mean, I believe in that stuff, but then I also think how good for Christina's soul was going to that arcade with Max, having that like secret with him, them eating that junk. Obviously, you don't want to do it all the time. You do want to pay attention to your health. But like Christina was so stressed. She was carrying around all this heaviness. That's not good for her either. And so I really, yeah, yeah, no. And so I thought that was just a really fascinating way of looking at it where she's eating all those calories, but it's the best she's felt in a while. 
so I don't know. I'm no doctor. I don't know. Yeah. You know? Well, I think it's the conversation of physical health versus your mental health, right? Like, yes. or, or putting your oxygen mask on first. And I think you guys referenced that in one of your previous episodes. It's just, she knew she couldn't do anything for anyone else. She couldn't do anything for herself if her cup wasn't full. And so she yeah. needed to fill her cup before she could attack anything with positivity or attack anything of, of injecting poison in her. And so I think it was just, it's what she needed to do in that moment for herself to feel okay in order to move forward. It was her survive in advance. Yeah. And I think it was totally fitting in that moment. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It did make me think of when Max and Adam had their day and yeah. it totally went off cue. You know how they kind of <laughs> had their own day because Adam needed that to feel whatever. Like this was Christina and Max's day because Christina needed to feel something. So I definitely made that's the note true. of that. I was like, it made me, it made me think of that what happened there and how I think, and if I remember right, Adam was like, you know, you can't tell your mom about this or, or, or try to keep it from Christina or something. And then to hear Christina and Max's dialogue, this is what's going to happen. And here, here's the incentive. And this, and she was like, ready for it. This is what you did not see me. Grandma picked you up. Here's what the payout is. And here's what, you know, here's what it is. And it was just really, really cute. It was. And I love that this time when Max hears that, he goes, what do I get? And then I loved that her reaction to that was almost like, it looked like pride to me. Yeah. Like, I love you, Max. I knew, yes. I knew you were going to ask this yes. question. I am prepared. I know I'm my son and I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. I would normally not be a fan of keeping secrets from your spouse. Mm -hmm. This was one of those rare times. And I liked that it got paralleled with, Adam getting drinks with Crosby yeah. and being like, well, we yeah. can't tell Christina this. And in both times, I'm like, great. I mean, I think it's different if it's a pattern or, or if you're sneaking around to, you know, obviously do something really bad, but I mean, Adam's with his brother and Christina's with Max and it's for their mental health. And it's about sort of protecting the other person. I don't know, for whatever reason, I was just on board. I'm like, mm -hmm. you have both been trying so hard. You're exhausted. You have got to lean on someone else. You have got to do what you know is going to help. And so I thought it was strangely beautiful, these like kind of lies that they mm -hmm. told each other. Me too, yeah. Let's listen to Adam and Crosby's scene. Do anything right, I'm trying to help out Christina by having mom come over and then she gets upset and I gotta go call mom. Say, listen, we want you to stop moving stuff around in the cupboard. Hey, my friend, okay. two beers? Excuse me. And, you know, I can hear hurt feelings in the phones. It's all quiet. And I'm just saying, mom, we appreciate what you're doing, but you know, we just don't want you moving stuff around the house. That's you know? all Excuse me, could you please stop bumping into me? It's crowded. No, it's not that relax. crowded. I'm not bumping into you. Jerk. Oh, I'm a jerk. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey. Just try to be you know more considerate. Going back to your Oktoberfest there with your beer stein. Let's go down You're here. really starting to piss me off. Okay. There we go. Everywhere Here's I go. Nice Walk out of my house the other day, go into the car, the neighbor comes up to me and says, Adam, I just want you to remember, God only gives you what you can handle. What the hell is that? Is that supposed to help me watch my wife suffer? She starts chemotherapy tomorrow. You should see these women after they've been in chemo. They look like ghosts. This man, the thought of Christina having to go through that is. Scary. It's really scary for us. That was the second time I cried. <sighs> so raw, but so real. Another great example, too, of characters talking about other characters. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And it's something that I really noted throughout the whole episode, how many scenes were two characters or or more discussing other characters who weren't there. And I, I kind of wish there was more of it, but I, I also thought it must be a tricky balance because there's not necessarily inherent drama in just griping about other characters <laughs> the same way there is with characters confronting one another. That's always going to be compelling, mm-hmm. but it does feel incredibly lifelike. I mean, just the beginning of this scene, a brother talking to his brother about something that their mom is doing that's frustrating. <laughs> yeah. What do siblings do if not <laughs> call each other and say, you wouldn't believe what dad is up to. You wouldn't believe what mom, you know. I also loved that previously we had a whole episode about Christina needing to let herself be scared. Yeah. But Adam needs that too. Mm-hmm. Yes. But usually his outlet for that would be Christina. But he understandably doesn't want to burden her with taking care of him right now. Yeah. But that means he needs to find someone else. Like I used just said this most, but he needs to find someone else to confide in. And I thought it was really wonderful of Crosby to recognize that and sort of force it on him. Yeah. Like just for your own good, Adam. And then he also did a great job of listening in that scene. We just played Crosby's not saying, here's what I think you should do or it, you know, He's just listening. Yeah. I thought it was really touching. I was super worried he was going to escalate to that scene in the grocery store when he punched that guy. <laughs> yeah. I was so fearful that that's exactly what it was going to go to. And I'm so glad that it didn't. And I, at first I thought it's either going to be, it's either going to be that Crosby's going to have his back and totally like take down a guy with him. But I was glad it didn't end up being that way. I was so glad that it ended up just then moving down the bar and then just being able, I love that he just gave him the space because you could tell Adam paused. And then he just gave him the space. He was just quiet and then let him really get down to what was hurting. And it was just such a beautiful moment. Such a beautiful moment. I actually, I I totally agree. And I actually prefer it uh, almost all of the time when something almost happens to when something definitely happens. Like, I I know I've talked about it before. I think almost affairs are more interesting, like in TV and and, uh, movies and stuff than actual affairs. I think once it crosses over, then I, I don't know why I'm less interested. I'm like, well, that wasn't much of a moral dilemma, was it? I guess, you know, it was just you did it. Well, maybe it's a relatability factor. Like, oh, maybe. I can't imagine you ever cheating on Mark. Oh, would just never. Yeah. But you finding someone else interesting or attractive or yeah, that could happen. That's much more interesting to me. It really is. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe someone who could do that or like sees themselves doing that more easily would find that more compelling. I don't know. But- it's why I often have a hard time with like um, anything about the mob or right. dealing drugs or organized crime. I'm <laughs> like, always like, well, I would I never relate. do this. So I don't <laughs> relate to any of your conflicts. I feel like the solution is stop selling drugs, stop killing people. <laughs> like. No, totally. Well, it's an easy fix here. Yeah, but it makes me like compare that almost fight that he had. Although I think, Manal, you're right. That that the better correlation is the guy in the grocery store because both times it's like a, a stranger. And I actually loved that scene. But of course, mm-hmm. that guy just was so out of line. It made sense. But it makes me think of the really dumb food fight that Crosby and Adam <laughs> have at the end of season the three. Salsa. But the yeah. salsa. And I just thought... This has now escalated to a point I don't find believable and it's yeah. it's just dumb. But like this, him almost getting into a fight, like just being really pissed off and on edge and then they just move. I was like, how interesting for, it's like a visual representation of how on edge Adam is. And to me, I just found it just much more interesting that they had to like, 
And it also just felt incredibly real. I think if he'd punched the guy in the middle of the bar, it wouldn't have felt so real. So it would have taken <laughs> yeah. me right out of the moment. But this, I'm like, oh, this happens anytime you go out. <laughs> you know, someone's yeah. just good. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, especially considering that what the guy was doing was not that egregious. No. Like slightly just, bumpy. Ugh. So, and I hadn't even thought of it, but yeah, the scene is really about... Wow, look at how tense Adam is. Yes. The slightest thing. Yeah. Which is annoying. It would yeah. annoy everybody, but we wouldn't escalate to that. And since we keep doing it in this particular episode for some reason, let's think about it from that guy's perspective. <laughs> it's like, right. what's this guy's problem? Yeah. I'm, right. I'm, I'm, this it's a guy was ready bar. to punch me yeah. over. Yeah. Yeah. over something. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, he wouldn't know that this guy's wife has cancer, is about to start chemo. It's just really interesting. Right. Yeah. I'm ready for the Miguel and Jake and guy at the bar show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's going on down there? Oh, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, we've mentioned that in our recollections, season four feels incredibly heavy. Mm -hmm. And maybe my perspective has just been skewed, but I feel like for a storyline about cancer, it has yet to be incredibly heavy. I mean, Specific scenes have been emotional, for sure, and it does feel like it sort of eclipses everything else just because the stakes are so high. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like they are mired in tragedy. I mean, this episode, Christina was just kind of pissed off about yeah. <laughs> what she was having to deal with. And I feel like they keep finding pretty surprising but very organic Mm -hmm. angles to tell this story from rather than just isn't this tragic i think you're right i think it is a real testament just the different storylines we've already had just in the fourth episode of the season you know and the first one wasn't about her cancer at all so it's really just been six episodes and i feel like yeah they've they've really attacked it from all kinds of different angles the positivity thing what do we do with hattie and and then this one i felt like I agree with Caleb you, when you said that that was like your favorite Christina scene ever or the most likable you ever found her. I feel like I saw her in a totally new way in that scene. It was something about the line of, I don't want people to take care of me. I take care of other people. It contextualized so much. I'm like, oh, this is why when she woke up after her surgery, her when she says, how did it go? She means Max's speech and not her surgery, mm -hmm. you know, but like that's her. That's how she handles it. And I know people like that. I mean, yeah. my sister Lindsay is that way. I feel like our grandma was that way of, I take care of people. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. Not about me. I have trouble relating to that. I really like to be taken me care of. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I used to be that way. And then I feel like, yeah, in the course of the last seven or eight years, I just, yeah, I feel like I, I know that I, I feel like I know what I have the capacity for. And mm. so I have to take care of myself. Otherwise I don't have the capacity for anything else. I don't have the capacity for teaching. I don't have the capacity for being a significant other. I don't have the capacity for being a mom. It's just, yeah. If you want the best version of me, I got it. I got, I need what I need. Yeah. So I, I, I was not able to always vocalize that. It's good that you can now. I think, yeah. Yeah. I've, I think I've gotten better at that over the years too. I think the older I get, I realize like the importance of like work-life balance. I, I used to really buy into this whole like productivity as worth thing, like the harder I worked, the better person I was, you know, the longer I stayed at my job after hours, just the better I was. 
as a human, like not even the better teacher, just better person. And I, I just really don't buy into that anymore. I mean, I think obviously give my job all I can, give my students all I can, but that's it. All I can doesn't mean until I'm ready to like drop to the ground. And I think I used to, now I understand, like give them my best to a degree, <laughs> you know? And, and I think that that's so important. And it's an interesting thing to think that maybe Christina is learning that maybe her cancer, which is a horrible thing. I'm not saying it's good she has it, but you know, you look for silver linings. The pandemic wasn't good, but like what silver linings did the pandemic offer? You know, what, what lessons? Or what can you learn? Yeah. Yeah, it, learn from exactly. You know, so I, I think maybe if she takes from this, that sometimes she has got to put herself first. Okay, that's a really- And again, just what an interesting angle. Yeah. To, and and it feels so consistent with her. Mm-hmm. It's not like, well, now we've decided Christina is this nurturer. No, no. she's very obviously <laughs> been that all along. Yeah. But what does a nurturer do when she has to be nurtured? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. The doctor told her that's what she needed to do, but she didn't yeah. hear it then. She didn't hear it then. She didn't see it then. And I feel like now she is starting to live it and believe it herself. And so yeah. she's able to try to take care of herself first because she knows that's what she has to do. And like, when should she listen to what Adam thinks is best for her? Because I I think sometimes she should, you know, I think he was right about they shouldn't delay the surgery. And I'm so glad they didn't, especially when they find out that like, oh, it's a more aggressive kind of cancer than we thought. Well, good thing they didn't wait those extra three weeks. I imagine you want all the time on your side you can have, but like, at what point does she need to listen again to her own gut you know like i need this ice cream and to drive (laughs) in this moment i need that and uh yeah i mean i think that's something i really love about the show is it's rarely like easy answers like Mm -hmm. oh you always listen to your husband he's always right (laughs) you know i don't think that's the lesson but it's not always listen to yourself because sometimes you're so close to it you don't see it you're you know you're clouded so i think i think it's just really great how Everything is case by case. <laughs> I'm kind of shocked that the girls haven't stepped in, like the sisters or the yeah. women, significant others. And I don't know if maybe I'm trying to remember what the timeline has been. Like, was it that she just got home from surgery the day before or what the turnaround time was between the surgery, the doctor's visit about the chemo and the chemo starting, but like that they haven't seen that she needs this innate, maybe women time. Right. Cause I feel yeah. like a woman is going to understand this idea of possibly losing your breasts or possibly not caring for your child. And not that a male wouldn't understand that, but I feel like that piece is missing. Like, I feel like they've had that moment very few times. I mean, it was Jasmine's bachelor party. I don't remember another time really, but I feel like that part's missing, you know, giving her an outlet with someone that's in, in the trenches with her, but no one really is in the trenches with her. So I don't know if that would even be appropriate. No, I think that's a really, really good point. I think You're absolutely right. And, you know, the only time that that's even sort of occurred to me was the episode where they're all in the waiting room, the one where Crosby wants to do something extra for them. And I remember thinking, you know, it's interesting, Sarah doesn't offer to do anything extra she does go to the you know waiting room but I'm like Sarah chose that weekend to move yeah like you know (laughs) she's like uprooting Drew and like doing that and uh, kind of avoiding all her stuff and I I I don't even judge her for that but I just think well that's interesting no part of her was like Adam what can I I need to give you all my focus right now and Julia's not working yeah Yeah. yeah. Someone taking Nora or yeah, yeah it, just, it was just missing or even the cousins get, let's have a cousin get together or a cousin sleepover. and just, you know, let you and Adam have some have time. Have a night without Max. Yeah. 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 Just, <laughs> I just felt like that part was missing a little bit. Yeah. 
In fact, it's sort of funny that her big like relief in this episode was to go hang out with her very difficult son. <laughs> I mean, That's I so bought fair. it totally. It was beautifully done. But yeah, I would think sometimes she could maybe need a, the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> so I unexpectedly loved this episode. Like yeah. looking yeah. ahead to it and reading the synopsis and stuff. I'm like, do I really remember anything special about this episode? I love. I felt like it was a really nice balance between small stories and small moments, but within larger yeah. substantive arcs. Nothing felt frivolous. I mean, even Drew and Amy. It's not just him with some teenage girl. We know Amy, and there's yeah. a history there. And and then once I fixated on this characters talking about other characters, which I'm sure to some degree is going to be in every episode, oh. but I feel like it was really pronounced in this episode because I noticed it all over the place. Christina to Adam about Camille, Adam to Crosby about Christina and Camille in the bar, but then also his scene about Amber when he walks into the luncheonette. He's like, you can't let her off because she's a family member. Yeah. Zeke and Sarah about Amber and Ryan. Christina to Max about Adam. Don't tell your dad. Drew to Amy about Christina. Yeah. Adam to Camille about Christina in that scene. Did mm-hmm. you get my email? Julia and Joel about Victor. Together, it's like, at first it seemed like a vague title, but I felt like there were a lot of pairs and things brought together that were new or haven't been together in a while. Drew and Amber, Amber and Sarah. Victor and Miguel, <laughs> although we didn't know Miguel. <laughs> Amy and Drew, Christina and Camille, they haven't had one-on-one time in a while. Amber and Ryan are really forging this yeah. new connection. They're together But I also now. thought you could also interpret it as people trying to keep it together. No. Oh, yeah. Adam and Christina, or Zeke and Sarah, or Joel and Julia. I, yeah, just loved the whole episode a yeah. lot. It was really good. Yeah. And I think it's an episode where when I previously watched it, it would not have resonated with me. But I think now feeling like I, I filled different roles in my life than I did at that point in my life. It, yeah. it, it, overall, I, it was just awesome. Oh, that's so good. Mm-hmm. I, I really loved it too. I thought it was wonderful. I was really struck by various parts of it. Um, like I said, I really related to Christina with her mother-in-law. Really, with my mother-in-law, like there's there's a lot of love, but awkwardness might be the the predominant thing like we're just always coming from different perspectives and you know how with some people it's just really easy and it's just never it's never that way with us and I I I struggle to even understand why but sometimes we do have really beautiful lovely moments like they like Christina and Camille had at the end there and they feel really well earned both on the show but also in my life (laughs) so I really related to that one the the Amber storyline, I can't even relate to being with someone like Ryan exactly, but I do know when I was very young, you know, I was in a relationship that ultimately wasn't very good for me and it was very intense. And I think it remains to be seen yet if Ryan's going to be good for Amber. Like, Caleb, you said that earlier, like Zeke, you know, like it seems that Amber's going to be good for Ryan, but hard to say if the reverse will be true. And Mm so I don't know, like it was just really striking me how intimate those scenes were and how young she still is. And it wasn't me coming at it from a judgmental or like thinking it was inappropriate, but just that was, that was the concern with Hattie and Alex, you know, that, that Adam and Christina had was that she's so young to be in something so grown up. And I'm like, well, gosh, even though she's 20, that is pretty young to be in yeah and that's how old I was when I was in that relationship you know and it's just like oh he's carrying around someone's 
troubles and and issues and they're gonna lean on you really hard and I don't know and I, I just thought she was fantastic in this episode like yeah anyway there yeah I'm just thinking of all these moments that I thought were wonderful and it was very quiet Caleb I can't remember if you said this on when we started recording or previously before we hit record but I think it's wonderful that we have an actual fan on for this one because it really did I think it'd be harder to drop into this one because it is just like having all that context of previous conversations and previous scenes I think really really helps with this one so anyway you were wonderful anyway (laughs) but like having yeah having you here to also just be able to draw on past experiences it ended up being so perfect so (laughs) yay thank you all right well listeners thank you for being part of this too and uh please you know follow us like us on social media parenthood pals everywhere and then manal you don't know this part because sometimes we cut it if people don't have anything do you have anything that you want to um like promote on like you know um social media like yeah let's see my only plug is that i'm an independent wine consultant on the side and so i market clean crafted wine so if anyone would like to consume it gift it host it party it i'm your girl so that's really the only extra plug that i have you too will get a thank you gift from me i just need your address oh Oh, my gosh that's amazing yeah but it's awesome there's just good stuff where can people find info about your uh, wine consulting i have a a personal url that you can shop through it's a direct-to-consumer type of thing so it ships directly to you so it's something that i have to have on hand or in stock so it's www.scoutandseller.com backslash manal weedle and then I have a social media account at Enjoy the Good Wine on Instagram and on Facebook. Oh, very cool. Awesome. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna get and I'm assuming book. seller is C-E-L-L-A-R. Yep, that's oh, correct. that's okay. so clever. Yes. Oh, my that's gosh. Correct. I yes. love it. <laughs> oh, awesome. That's so yes. great. Well, thank you again. You thank were you so great. Thank you guys so much. Ugh. This is like the highlight of my week. When we, we do good things with my students every Monday. And last Friday, they were asking, do you have anything exciting this weekend? I was like, yes, I get to, I get to record a podcast. (laughs) It's so much fun. So I love everything you guys are doing. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you posted stuff on social media. You know, it's supposed to hit so many touch points. So I think it was probably the second or third time I saw one of you post about it. I'm like, ah, I need to do this. I need to listen to this. And Uh so glad that I did. I'm glad we're not just annoying. No, (laughs) no, no, no. I always worry about that. Please like us. No, no. We talk about that in like in the business, like in the wine business, you just need, I mean, people are just busy, you know, yeah, you, you yeah. think you're reaching a person 7,000 times, really you're only reaching them twice because yeah. maybe they didn't scroll that day or they were too busy that day or they meant to do something and forgot. And yeah. so I just, I'm so <laughs> glad that you all have been consistent and persistent. So I um, love that. I love that too. Oh, so nice of you. Well, and I mean, just the fact that it brought us together to have yeah. this conversation, how great is that? I mean, I was trying to think of the last time I saw you and it was probably high school. I or agree. maybe, yeah, I mean, it was just, that's just crazy. So this is, is really lovely. And yeah, yeah I'm, I'm just very happy that we got to connect this way. Me too. So. Well, thank you again. Thank and you. And thank you to all of our listeners. Yay. <laughs> Until next time, may God bless and keep you always. And may your wishes all come true. <laughs>